In today's episode, I'm taking you on a journey through the highs and lows of my 20-year love story. (laughs) I'm going to share insights, tips and personal anecdotes and the art of keeping love alive. Stick around as we explore how life's changes, including the adventure of parenting, impacts relationships. Hey, I'm Lara, an artist, educator and entrepreneur who's danced through life in Australia, London and California. Now I'm an Aussie in Atlanta, Georgia, USA. Juggling roles as an artist, ex-dancer, current actor, author, professional educator and qualified life coach, I'm also a wife and mother of two. Join me on this podcast crafted for creative souls at every level, entrepreneurs, artists, dreamers, and hope-filled humans alike. I'm here to guide you towards a life of love, purpose, adventure, and boundless creativity. As a healthy, wealthy, and wise creative soul, I invite you to hit subscribe for weekly inspiration. Anticipate solo episodes, exclusive interviews with creative luminaries, and insightful discussions with my hottie hubby, Andrew, a specialist performance physical therapist, as we delve into the dynamics of relationships and more. Dive into a 360-degree view of making a creative life you'll love. Welcome to another episode of Healthy Wealthy Wise Artist. We're going to talk about building a life of love, purpose, adventure, and boundless creativity with a 360 degree view. I call it the pie because every piece of your life, whether it's your finances, your relationship, your artistry, whatever it is, your health, it all affects the other pieces of the pie. Inside of us, 360 degree view. I'm your host. I'm joined by my amazing husband in this episode, Andrew Pilcher, who has been my husband for nearly 18 years, (laughs) together for 20. And now today, my co-host extraordinaire. Hey, everyone. Excited to be here. Today's episode is special because we're going to be sharing our journey of finding, nurturing and keeping each other over a couple of decades of love, adventure and some very unexpected transitions. That's right. We've lived in London, Melbourne, California and now we call Atlanta, Georgia home. While we don't recommend bouncing around the globe like we did, our story is filled with transitions, adventures and change. And you know, we both work in different aspects of the arts and entertainment industry. As you guys know, I'm a performer, I'm a life coach, I'm an educator, and I'm an author. And Andrew, my husband, is a physical therapist for performers and artists. Whoever they are, whatever they do, he specializes with artists. Our shared passion for the arts is just one thread in the rich tapestry of our relationship. So let's dive into the hot topics that resonate with many couples and wannabe couples out there. There is something for everybody because whether you want this, a great relationship, you are in a relationship or your relationship's really struggling, whatever it is, we're going to talk about romance, intimacy, connection and keeping your love alive. We often get asked how we found each other. So let's talk about finding your soulmate. Now, if you've already got your soulmate, great. So we'll just tell you a little bit about ours. But otherwise, let this encourage you. We didn't have dating apps when we got married. (laughs) So we had to do good old fashioned in person. Uh, Blind date gone wrong. Nope, that wasn't us either. We were performing together, doing a musical theatre duet, playing husband and wife. So art reflecting reality. But one thing's for sure, shared values and interests play a crucial role. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, you know, you invited me to perform with you for this Christmas televised 
production. Um, and so we were rehearsing together and performing together. Yeah. We definitely did a lot of performing around the same productions at, the, at that time. Yeah, we both share a really big passion for the arts. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so what about advice for people on finding common ground with their soulmate? Because some people will say opposites attract, but, you, you know, we're talking about, okay, 20 years later. <laughs> Have you got enough in common, enough shared values in common? Values are very important, but also just when you think about what you do in life, is there enough that will bring you together to have fun together and enjoy and be on the same page? Yeah. Well, I think early on it just pays a lot to be vulnerable and to just put your neck out there, risk, and just be real about what really interests you, not what you think they're going to want to see or, or hear, you know? <laughs> like often a fear of being rejected would definitely involve what things we do together, hobbies or things we start to do together. And how about those first connection times or dates? Any tips for our listeners on what worked for us when we were in the early days and what didn't? I thought it was awesome. Everyone's story is individual and, and, mm. and, and beautiful, each one of them. I mean, mine shows up my weaknesses for sure. <laughs> I mean, our first, one of our first dates, um, I was over at your house and your mother <laughs> looked at me and said, so are you guys going out to lunch? And I said, yes, we are. <laughs> Had no plan to take you out to lunch. <laughs> so that's definitely my weakness of like, oh, I haven't really planned ahead too much. And I kind of don't want to spend money and all these silly little things when I'm like, of course I'm going to take her out to lunch. She's the love of my life. I love her. I do want to. Oh, my gosh, I've got to impress it. Let's do it. Okay. But, of course, it's not like anybody has a degree in how to date somebody and all of that. Often we're just sort of flying blind and Mm -hmm. some people are really good at it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Some people Mm -hmm. aren't. I think it was you hadn't had heaps of girlfriends, which was good for me. Mm. Maybe not so good for your confidence. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what was really good, though, that was uh, Lara is a very go-getter. She is a mm. very get-it-done type person. Driven. Mm. Driven. Yeah. Gets a lot done. Um, and she learned early on that I'm a little bit less highly paced. Yeah. <laughs> I take a lot more You're planning. chill. He's like a chill British Australian. Definitely had a lot of shyness <laughs> to work through. So she kind of felt that in her heart she said, okay, I'm going to backpedal and just let him lead. Yeah. And it was really great for my journey and – hers I think and it just really helped that start of it for me to yeah. take the lead and now it's not that um, we're that traditional like times have changed women can yep. take the lead yep. women can you know organize the dates of course but in our situation the tip is and the learning point is is that I would take over because of my natural driven leadership personality and sometimes you've got to kind of like let there be a little bit of pickleball a little give and take a little letting the other person have a a go at having because it causes growth when you don't overpower if you're one of those strong people Mm. and if you're Mm. kind of one of those more quiet reserved people you can let other people take the lead and you're just along for the ride and end up resenting them so there's a learning point in looking back isn't there babe what i loved though i think our first date Mm. was that we went and walked along the beach in australia beautiful the natural conversation came up of just where are we going in the future what are our Mm dreams our passions where we most love to go and that that can be a hard conversation because you think oh if i stick my neck out say the real thing are they gonna just say oh that's not really that's not what i want yeah um but it was just a beautiful thing where we were really headed in a similar direction thought about life our worldviews very similar so it was just a beautiful time to say oh wow you know and that that's unique 
I think it pays to just stick your neck out and say it. Yeah, yeah that's true, to be brave and risk that they might not like it. Yep. But definitely don't compromise who you are mm. for the other person ever along your entire relationship. So signs that you have found your soulmate, and soulmate, we say it lightly because I know there's, I think it's 60% now of marriages are breaking up. So I'm a big fan of the fact that for a lot of listeners, there's got to be hope in Act 2 after the interval, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But anyway, signs that you're with the right person. A lot of the time, early days of a relationship, I remember having a couple of relationships and obviously I want to be honouring in the way I speak always, but I knew, I just knew that they weren't the ones for me. Mm. There was no peace in that area. And a lot of people go, oh, when you know, you know, you just know. And I know for some people that's not their reality because they will be in a relationship and it's got comfortable and it will eventually grow into we just want to be together, but they might not have that deep sense of knowing. But I think a few things here that... You have to have good communication. There has to be no red flags. Red Mm. flags are addiction. That will kill an intimate relationship because addiction is completely self-absorbed for one person. You can't be, I'll fix you. My mum used to say to me, Hmm. what you see is what you get. (laughs) If you don't like them now, don't think you can change them. Be careful of that. Be careful of codependency where they can't live without you. And that, you know, you've got to have the ability to fully work on your own life and see that the person you're with is working on their life. And then together, instead of like two halves making a hole, it's two holes making a beautiful pie. Just like <laughs> some good self reflection to say, look, let's step back. And does this person really just make my heart happier, my soul lighter? Is this person who I just yeah, I really dig in every way. Mm. Or is it just hard work? Is it just uh, a little off and there's I can make do? Like we're fighting more than we're yeah. actually getting along. Is your your yeah. choice to make do or mm. is it to say, oh, I just this person makes me come alive? Yeah, and it's true. And chemistry is important as well. And we're talking not just about your interpersonal communication and your, your connection in that way, but you have to be attracted to each other because reality is... Um, and I know a lot of my listeners are married, but you are waking up with that person for the rest of your life. Um, and you really do need to have a sense of attraction. Yes, beauty is fleeting. We grow older, but there is many years. Um, and, you know, it's been years. My husband and I have changed. We, mm. We're both getting older, but we're not old, but we're getting older. And, um, yeah, things change. And you have to still be attracted to each other for many years, guys. So make Mm. sure that there's a level of chemistry that's important to you. Mm. Okay, let's move on because once you've found your soulmate... It's all about nurturing the relationship. We were very passionate about this from the start. Yes. (laughs) To build and for us to see that there's... It just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like someone said, oh, is it cloud nine? And I remember that and I was like, do the clouds go up? Because I just feel like (laughs) it keeps getting better. (laughs) And, and I just feel that that's, that's kind of a dreaming big thing. But mm-hmm. I think that's, that's where it's been for us. And that a lot of our good friends who've had long relationships, they talk about a similar thing. Now, we know that a lot of our friends that have had a longer relationship, um, it's not that you never struggle. But what I want to say is that the reason we decided to do couples episodes is because for us, marriage has been beautiful. It has been joyous. And I think one of the major reasons is that we've both owned our own healing 
and we've owned our own growth. And this is the part we all feel that we need a degree in, but mainly we've learned the hard way. So how do we maintain open and effective communication in our relationship and how can you? So I found early on in our relationship, a great friend and mentor said to me, Andrew, start with sorry. Now, (laughs) I I want to backtrack because sorry is not always applicable and we don't need to be sorry for everything, but um, it can be a good start. So it can be the approach to say, oh, this has happened. And so there are many frustrations that happen in marriage and our relationship was not full of frustrations, but you know, when I'm hearing about, oh, this happened today and my wife's upset or frustrated, then sorry is a good start because I'm sorry she's feeling that way. It reminds me that I really love her and I want the best for her. I want her to be happy. I guess going into it and if there's a frustration or a worry, what really helped was not about worrying about right and wrong. Mm. So I can go into a conversation and hear Lara and it doesn't matter who's right and wrong. It's sort of if I love her enough, I'm fixed on that, I love her so much and I just want to be live every day with her, then who's right and wrong, whatever, we'll work it out. Like I just want us. The connection to not yeah. be broken. Yeah. One of the biggest things, and I think why a lot of relationships fail, is that in conflict there's no ownership. It's looking at the other person and blaming, but there's never this level of self-reflection. And I remember we were chatting the other day, babe, about... Mm this and that a lot of people haven't actually got the emotional awareness to actually know what's going on for them and there's this word that a lot of people are using about narrating like Mm -hmm. narrating your thoughts because we talk about our self-talk but narrating your thoughts is kind of like okay I'm out loud about my own self in the situation feeling scared that such and such might happen and I'm feeling stressed so I'm being defensive and then I can go to Andrew after I've owned my bit and go I'm just feeling scared rather than you were being it's learning um, and being emotionally intelligent enough in order to serve the relationship and a lot of people haven't developed Mm. that because why would you it's not like we go to university to study emotional awareness or psychology and it's kind of hard like it's not easy it's It's complex yeah and so initially um, I'm very open with this that I am not a wonderful, emotionally intelligent person. He's got um, so much better, got better You've had 20 years with me. Like, like, yeah. Well, I feel like, Lara, you're, you're the book in this. <laughs> but I've always, um, it's helped me grow to be with you, mm-hmm. um, both who you are, but also I think just relating to my lover. And mm-hmm. so that in any relationship, the wife doesn't have to be a book in emotional intelligence, but just going well with this, listening to each other, preferring each other, you're going to have to do some growth in this area. So initially it was very basic for me, but it Mm -hmm. was really just like, okay, own my stuff. If I did something wrong, I came home late and I didn't communicate earlier like I could have and should have. Um, And because I felt embarrassed or I felt scared, scared that you're going to reject me or something like that, Mm -hmm. that was probably initially too hard. But I just said, okay, initially I'm just going to own it. Okay, I got home late. I didn't call you. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I could just blurt out something in the vicinity of this is how I was feeling about it. And then she'll look at me and go, oh. Well, Thanks for the sorry. <laughs> I love you. Yeah. And, you know, and we can just day by day get a little better. You know? And on that point, one of the relational tips I'll give you um, for any relationship really is that I have decided within myself that 
the things that challenged me, like and like that was one of the ones that challenged me for years. That Andrew would mm-hmm. come home late, and I'd be there with the kids and kind of want him to rescue me from that situation. But there's been this choice in me that's like, you will, your behaviour change is not going to um, be the reason I'm happy. I choose happiness now. It's not dependent on you changing for me to be happy. And that's huge in so many areas of life. Mm-hmm. It's taking responsibility and ownership over your own feelings and emotions and not expecting someone else to make you happy, waiting for them to change. What about some romantic gestures that have worked for us, like little actions that contribute to lasting connection? There was this funny story on our wedding reception, but there's somebody who drank way too much and Andrew was giving a speech and he was talking about his undying love for me, all of which has been completely true, and how, and he's a physical therapist, so how he'd love to give me foot rubs at night and someone shouts out, that won't last, you know, with like so drunk. And of course, it was a horrible thing to say at a wedding because at wedding, it's just like we're in the love zone, guys, not the reality zone. Everyone hopes for that. And for a lot of people, that, that kind of initial romance doesn't last. Well, guess what? Andrew still gives me foot rubs at night. And I say that even though it's like, oh, my goodness, does he really? I'm like, yes, he does. And I think he took that as a challenge. So, <laughs> <laughs> What I found was that as I got into a relationship with Lara, my very amazing mentor at the time, just said, Andrew, this is great and you're feeling on cloud nine and amazing. Uh, you feel filled in your heart and it's just so exciting. But your job right now is to work out early what things she likes what really makes her happy, what she dislikes, and start to work out some of the things that is going to really make her heart sore. So early on, I was starting to take note and starting to put my attention on that, uh, but start to think longer term, okay, when she's upset, what makes her happy? What Mm -hmm. shifts that? And then you just quickly like, wow, like you get me, you know, and she does the same. She's wired that way. Um, So I think really trying to hunt for like, oh, when she's been upset, what is, what's, bringing comfort to her what does she really want to hear Mm. does she need me more around acting auditions i just know that a good few phone calls through the day to validate see that i see all the hard work that she does um that sort of thing is really does help her and really does Mm. make her feel loved and so i'm like well i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it more i'm gonna go to the town with it you know (laughs) yeah and just one of the things that happens in a relationship longer term is that initial ease of being able to I want to do everything for that person that for most couples and that level of heightened um, desire to be together and all the time and do everything that does wear down and you have to then make a choice to continue to serve that person in love because love is not about everything you can get um, and a lot of us go into a relationship hoping to be fulfilled in that way so we're not lonely, that you know we have somebody that will do everything for us in the terms of our love needs box. But it's very self-sacrificing. It's very much about, okay, I might go, oh, Andrew's left a mess, there's dishes everywhere, I hate mess, I'm such a clean freak. And then I have to flip that and I'm very big on flipping thoughts and it's a great relationship skill for anyone listening to but this morning he made me a coffee. Last night he gave me a foot rub and it just took the kids to school and it's chaos and I flip it. And then I forget about the stupid little thing that really doesn't matter. It's important to remember in a long-term relationship to, you know, when we're navigating challenges and choosing to stay uh, committed to each other, that this is a partnership 
it's also like a business because essentially now we're running finances, we're running a home, we're we're parenting. Um, it is a partnership. And you need to move as a team. The two literally become one. And wherever there's, uh, you know, those sneaky things that come in where you don't trust each other and you haven't become one, it's an area for conflict uh, a lot of the time. But if people can own their own their own junk and take responsibility mm. for their own growth, a lot of that becomes easier. But people get so lazy. Mm. People get so checked out. It's hard. I'm going to check out. You can't check out and expect to have a great relationship. Yeah, and what uh, can sneak up is like this combination of feelings. So the the saying is, keep the little foxes out of your garden. Yeah, that's right? true. So they yeah. don't kind of come and steal things, whatever. Um, and so it's dealing with the little things, but that, you know, if you had a long day at work, the kids maybe have, you know, really drained, me getting the kids to bed or whatever else, and I just want to check out, but I'm kind of like, I know I've got to talk to her about this thing that upset me or this thing, we've got mm. to plan some finances or whatever. Yeah. And finances overwhelm me and all the so mm. the combination of overwhelming things yeah. and feelings can really get too much and you think too hard I'm out I'm you know? gonna check out I'm gonna go silent and I'm not going to yeah. um, make an effort towards connection and that's uh, that's very dangerous it's common though and we hear mm. you if you're just like yeah that happens all the time with me yeah we hear you and mm. you're not alone like yeah. this happens a lot but you know we're with you what makes a relationship much better is to be active mm. to like kill passivity and just get yeah. on it and say no our relationship our oneness is so much more important yeah and i'm gonna fight for it yeah i'm gonna just jump in and let's yeah. do this let's build this together come on and yeah. then of course you serve the partnership in that sometimes you're like they just need to check out and i'm gonna say go and check out right now i've got this and vice versa but when it gets imbalanced and one person feels like they're checking out a lot or entitled to check out mm -hmm. and they haven't communicated that they're checking out they're just taking it because it's their right you end up with a difficult partnership because you're making a lot of assumptions about your needs but maybe not thinking what does the other person need so they're stepping up then they're resenting you for checking out so you know it's got to be like again like pickleball it's mm -hmm. like give and take that kind of relationship thing yeah. is amazing and never for Andrew and I, never threatening divorce. We don't threaten mm. with anything. We work it out, but we don't threaten because that is well, basically a form of manipulation. And it ne it's never yeah. an option. It's never an option for us. Um, I think that's really important as well. Yeah. Right. So let's talk about the role of trust and loyalty and how to navigate challenges that life throws your way. <laughs> so how do we build and maintain trust? How do you Listeners, build and maintain trust in your relationship because it's body, it's eyes, it's mind, it's soul, it's all. And there's a big thing in our modern world, our all-consuming modern world, um, with navigating external pleasures and things like that and what we do to get comfort if it's helpful or harmful to the relationship when we're overwhelmed and tired. Andrew and I believe like when you say your vows, you are choosing faithfulness with your body, your eyes, your mind. So we have to be careful mm. about mm. faithfulness and, and building trust. Trust is gold. It's like we say to each other, trust is earned. So I could as a man, demand trust, but that's really just insecurity. You know, trust is earned through my many actions towards her where she goes, I can trust him because 
he's I've seen him serve me I've seen him put things down be sacrificial towards us towards mm. me I've seen him countless times and I just you know because you know you can trust him there's, yeah. there's been history there mm. I think there's an example as well that I can give you a very real and raw one um, but for example if I feel insecure and I've grown so much like in the, years ago like when I first got married I, I was still developing trust with Andrew and him with I but if like there is a gorgeous woman that walks into the room wearing something that kind of threatens my sense of place in Andrew's life as in I want to be the apple of his eye and every woman that I know of (laughs) that is my friend wants the same thing and if something threatens that there's two ways to respond here's one Andrew says to me that's your insecurity. I'm not doing anything defensive, defensive. You need to deal with that. That's your problem. Not a great situation <laughs> to be in. Now, a lot of people do that. They don't empathise with their partner's emotional need. And what you need to do, and I think I would say is better, is to just lean in and, and again, I own. I would own I'm saying to him, I feel insecure I feel threatened by that person they're so beautiful um I'm worried I'll lose your eye and even if I had for a split second Andrew would choose I know he would turn around and choose me again I mean he's a human being and we live in a world that's full of temptation but he would I know lean into my emotion and rather than be defensive he would say you are everything to me and he would validate and meet me in my hurt and in the place of pain and I do the same thing for him it's like you don't kick someone when they're down and so to hear from me uh, that is a real thing a really attractive maybe scantily dressed woman walking (laughs) into a you know cocktail bar or something else would be would pull an eye would pull my eye but I know what my wife's thinking. I know how it affects her because I know her so deeply. And so for me, positioning my body facing her, Mm. not the other person, Mm -hmm. and leaning in and saying, I see what's happening and you're my choice. You're my lover. Um, And only I do that because I validate what's happening in the room and I just let it be an elephant in the room Mm. and not to say, demand her to say, come on, you know, or I have the right to look at people or whatever else. Oh, all guys are like that. So, you know, get over it. (laughs) Yeah, type thing. Like I choose to be completely her focus because she is my one love. Yeah. Um, But it's real. And then on on another topic, um, my wife's very perceptive when, say, there's a work trip and there's a colleague and we're, and so she's very perceptive with, oh, um, that that's interesting. You're going away with this person. And so I can see straight away, oh, that's something we need to lean into together. And I need to reassure her about. Uh, but we need to take some care about things. And so, you know, when I'm on the work trip, I usually do this anyway. But when I finish work, I call home, call the kids, call her. So it's very obvious and it's perceptive that out there on my work trip that I'm my family man and I'm contacting home but it's just um it's just the perceptions of am I just like leaving every everyone at home and I'm just out to paint the town red and just do my own thing because I'm worth it yes I'm worth it but that's core for me is to connect with my wife and my kids and they're the most important thing to me yeah that's so important because quite often I'll hear somebody share that um they're like oh I've worked hard all week and I have the rights and I deserve it so I'm going to go out and stay out till four and drink and all of those kind of things but the reality is just when you 
get married, <laughs> you can't act single anymore. Mm. And it doesn't mean that I'm like, Andrew can go out and he can have fun and I want him to do that. But when he does it without connecting into me and the partnership, uh, being a team with me, then it becomes this thing that breaks apart connection. Yeah. And we want to keep our connection because our connection is everything. Uh, in marriage. It, it keeps you happy. It keeps the home happy. It keeps conflict low. Um, so everything is always about coming back and checking in with each other and preferring each other in love and then giving and taking. Never this rights, I've got rights, you did this, I'm going to party all night, I'm going to sleep in. You can do those things, but always think about each other. Make it about the partnership. Because yeah, what does it look like if it's the opposite? If you say, hey, I really want to go out with this friend. We're going here. Like, it's really important to me. I want to just, like, go out for some, a few hours and just have really some have fun. some fun. Let off some steam. And, yeah. like, that feels important to me. I know the kid, you're putting the kids to bed again, and I know that's a lot, but I really want it. And then what if we just – I I offer that and then just wait for the response. And then she might say no. She might say yes. But what if we make the decision together? together? And you're, you're more likely to get the trust and the yes if you communicate and check in with each other about yeah. it. I'm right. We're going to move on because we've talked a little about parenting, but it's a whole new chapter that reshapes your relationship and your life. So whether you have children yet, you do have them, or you're hoping to get married and have kids one day, here's the deal. that having young children whatever problem you have in your relationship is going to get amplified by having children because mm. it's very tiring. They take up a lot of energy. The focus you had on each other now kind of turns to the kids. Your time is hijacked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so whatever problem you had, having children's probably going to spiral up to a place that it's much harder. And I don't say that to be, you know, doom and gloom, but most of the relationships I know when the children are sort of zero to 10, zero to five, somewhere around there is when they start to disintegrate and end up in divorce because that is a very, young children is a very, very draining time. Yeah. And we have two kids and been, one 14 months apart. Yeah. <laughs> and so the lack of sleep is real. Um, and real. we can do it. We did it. We did it well. Yeah. None of it was perfect, you know. <laughs> but we were a tired. team. We were yeah. a team together and we wanted to be. Um, but, yeah, it was tiring. But it was awesome as well. And there were times of so much joy and wonder and it was beautiful. Yeah. But, but it is, it's hard. It's hard work and it's um, draining at times. But then you think, I keep coming back to that thing of being grateful and thankful because, you know, whenever I feel like, oh, gosh, I just want the day to myself. I just want a Saturday morning. I think about that person that lives alone and it's dead silent and how they want what we have. Mm. And mm. you've always got to flip. When these thoughts come into your head, it's like flip the negative into a positive because the grass isn't greener on the other side. There's challenges and each person going through whatever you are as you're listening, everything's relevant and relative to what you're going through in the season that you're in. So, babe, tell us and let's share, like, what? how did parenting change our dynamic? We were adventuring in London at the time yeah. and we were doing a lot of projects and a lot of things that we just felt we could do and 
a lot of things were happening and we were, we were doing and then kids came along. So mm-hmm. how did that change our dynamic? Yeah, it was huge because like going into a relationship, and I said you don't have a degree in it, when people go into parenting, they also don't have a degree. And I remember grasping onto the books that everyone was reading at the time, <laughs> all of which I would never read and recommend now because I was desperate to go, how do I do this right? How do I not yeah. stuff up this little person? But that kind of drive in me has been very helpful because I landed on um, researching parenting techniques and, and we came to it rather than just sort of flying by the seat of our pants, mm-hmm. we came together, did a course together in parenting and made decisions before we were in the deep end and like doing things with discipline or whatever it was we had a method and it was like awkward because you know when you're learning something new whether it's a relationship skill (laughs) or parenting skill it's not integrated knowledge it's knowledge that you read and just because you read a book it's not integrated into you so we had these little uh cheat mm-hmm. sheets yeah, on yeah. the fridge yep. and we until we became integrated with that knowledge of the techniques we wanted to use for parenting um we would have to go to the cheat sheets and it was awkward as with many things and you know in your relationships it, it can be awkward at first learning how to use i language instead of you language and that, i mean instead of saying you're late home it's like oh, i get really upset when you're late home mm-hmm. so it's like mm-hmm. flipping the communication all of it is yeah. a learning a learning yeah. curve that's a really good point the i language thing yeah you know, i feel this about what happened rather than you did this mm-hmm. you're wrong you did this thing you're awful like when you share your feelings don't try and fix the other person mm. don't mm. try and come back with your story just sit there listen and just mm. Mm. yeah mm-hmm. and that is actually a beautiful relationship skill to be able to do with your friends or absolutely anybody And I think parenting, and the reason it's hard is because it's, again, self-sacrificing, something our culture doesn't like. Um, And it's all about learning how to get rid of your rubbish in order to not be triggered by a little person. And that is everything that we've had to overcome. I have had to learn when they're having big feelings to not get riled up, to be calm. And all of this is maturing, like a relationship or parenting. It can mature or it can stay the same or it can go backwards. And if you want it to mature, then you need the work to actually know how do I, how do I grow in this area? Yeah. Your happiness is up to you, not the other person to make you happy. That's so true. I think that's like a big lesson we've learned through the years. Um, And it was, you know, being together and then the kids are sort of rammed at home even more is that, you know, if you were to run for a kid to give you a cuddle, it's because you want a cuddle, not maybe they need one. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, I'd get angry because maybe I'm tired and I've just sacrificed a whole lot of things that I really wanted and I've had to let them go. Um, And then I'd be sort of like facing some anger at like, oh, Lara did this, that, the other, or she never cleans up or something. She does clean up a lot. But in the moment, moment I'd be like, oh, she doesn't do things my way or something. But then I'd say, wait a second, I'm in in my little rage and so I need a moment. (laughs) And I didn't notice, okay, I'm frustrated about this. Um, Okay, and then my happiness is about me. And then I see in the family where I need to serve. And then usually at the place, Lara can listen to me and say, honey, you okay? And then I can just say, I'm 
feeling sad about this and she's like oh okay and then you know we can keep functioning on so sometimes we get focused on the little thing that andrew didn't stack the dishwasher well or something um but then it's not the little thing <laughs> it's all the other stuff it's all the stuff yeah a relationship that pulls apart and breaks down it's not it's normally they'll say this thing happened but it's been thousands of little things mm. that have built up until it becomes irreconcilable differences Right, let's move on because I want to talk to you about owning your personal growth within the context of the relationship. So important. Be responsible for your own happiness. Take responsibility for your finances. Don't leave it to the other person. And if they're joint like ours are, don't leave it to the other person. Take responsibility for learning about parenting. Don't leave it to the other person. Take responsibility for your health and your wellness. Don't leave it to the other person. So yes, the two become one, but you still have to go after your own personal growth. Right, before we wrap up, we want to hear from you. So share your stories, your experiences or questions on my social media handles, Laura Bianca Pilcher. You can go to my website, laurabiancapilcher.com. Drop me questions that you want us to talk about in future episodes, comments when you see posts about this episode. I'd love to hear from you. Such a big topic, isn't it? And we've scratched the surface, but I hope that it's been helpful to you. Before we go, stay tuned for future episodes where we'll have a regular segment together on this show and also bring in experts to provide additional insights and advice and speaking of future episodes we've got some exciting topics lined up including audience requested ones so mark your calendars so don't miss out on the chance to join as we dive into a range of topics affecting romance relationships life with another person and yes we're even going to talk about sex yeah baby you and me (laughs) (laughs) we're keeping it real and we can't wait to share more in future episodes we're with you on the journey friends with you on the journey (laughs) phew today's masterclass is done I love reaching back and saying I've done this and helping you learn the easy way. If you want more, head to larabiancapilcher.com for show notes, links, freebies, my blog, coaching and courses. And you can also head to my socials, larabiancapilcher on Instagram and Facebook. I'm also on Twitter and Pinterest. Thanks again for listening. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That would mean the world to me. And of course, keep on living the healthy, wealthy, wise artist living towards your dream life. Bye, friends. P.S. Shout out to my hottie hubby, Andrew Pilcher, who does all the editing on this podcast.